to the beginning of Chatesim at Aleph. We're up to the second line, just to, um, the top line, I'm sorry, just to finish up the sugya. We know that for metaltalin, for, uh, for movables, for people, by us, it's not kind of with kasef, it's kind of with mashicha. But by the Beis HaMikdash, it's kind of with kasef. Okay? So the Gemara talks about how this could have major halachic ramifications if I'm purchasing something from the Beis HaMikdash. If I'm purchasing something from the Beis HaMikdash. Yeah, probably. If I'm purchasing something from the Beis HaMikdash and I pay for it or I do Mashicha and then there's a price change. So, you know, again, by a person, by regular people, it's all Mashicha. Kasef doesn't do anything. By the Beis HaMikdash, it's all Kasef. So they'll have major... The Gemara speaks it out. Mashcha Let's say I'm buying something from the Beis HaMikdash. I'm buying, I don't know, I don't know. They're selling a guitar, whatever. So I do Mashicha on it, but I have not yet paid. So I do Mashicha when it's worth $100. And now, before I paid, it now shoots up to $200. So I did Mashiach at 100 So if I was a regular person, I had acquired it at that price at 100 But I haven't paid yet. So now it went up to 200 So what's the, what do I have to pay? No, you have to pay $200. Now, by the way, the Rishayim point out, you don't actually have to pay that. You could just not buy it. But the point is, Mashiach by the base is not kind of. So you did Mashiach on the guitar, it doesn't do anything. The price went up to two hundred. Well, now you got to pay two hundred. If you don't want to pay two hundred, you're not going to buy it. The point is, why we all go with kasef? My time up and us and a kasef come. The pastor says you pay with kasef. So kasef is what defines the price, not the mashicha. Okay, it's pretty simple enough. What about the opposite case? I did mashicha b'masayim. I did mashicha when it was worth two hundred. So by a regular person, I'd be locked in at two hundred. But lehispik lefdaisa mana. By the base amigdash, I didn't pay yet. And I'm about to pay cash, it plummets to $100. So I did Mashiach at $200. So if I was a regular person, I'd have to pay $200. But now that it's the Beisam Mikdash, this is in a way that the Kesef is, is, is hooking me up. It's helping me out. Because I didn't pay cash yet, the price plummeted to, two, to $100. So do I pay $200 like a regular person or $100 like Kesef? So we just got finished saying you go with Kesef. So over here, going with Kesef would help you. So the Gemara says, no. No, you have to pay $200. Why? We cannot treat the Beis HaMikdash worse than we would treat a regular person. Meaning, by a regular person, if a regular person were to have such a situation, where again, you did Mashicha when it was valued at 200, but you didn't pay for it yet until it plummeted to 100, so by a regular person, you'd be locked in at 200, so you say, yeah, but the Beis HaMikdash is all about Kesef. We're not going to rip off the Beis HaMikdash. If a regular person would have to pay 200, a Beis HaMikdash would also get $200. Okay. Now this is all where you did Mashiach first. What about the opposite? What if I paid first and didn't do Mashiach yet? So by the base, I make this cash is king. By everyone else, it's Mashiach. So the Gemara says like this: Padu Masayim. I paid the cash when it was worth two hundred for the base I make But before I did Mashiach, the price dropped to hundred. So what's the halachas? So the price dropped to hundred. So again, I paid for it at two hundred. I paid for it at two hundred, but the price dropped. The price dropped before I pay before I did Mashiach. So what's the halacha? You have to pay two hundred. Why? Because in the base Amigdash, cash is king. So if you paid two hundred, because that's what it would cost at the time, it's yours. The fact that it fell to hundred dollars before Mashiach is irrelevant. Okay. Now the last case is the only thing. My The last case is the only thing that's a bit of a chiddush, and that is the opposite. I paid for it when it was worth hundred dollars. But before I did Mashiach, the price raised to two hundred. So, think about it. 
Again, I paid for it at 100. The pri- then I didn't do Mashiach yet and the price went up. So if I was a regular person, I'd have to pay 200. But I'm paying the base of English. I already paid 100. Cash is king. So what did we say before? We never treat the base of English worse than we treat a person. So Lachora, I should have to pay 200. Even though by the base of English, cash is king. And I already paid 100, so it's mine. And then the price went up to 200. So Lachora, I shouldn't have to do anything else. I should just be fine. So says the Gemara. Again, I paid $100 for a guitar. I'm buying it from the Beis HaMikdash. By the Beis HaMikdash, cash is king. It's all that matters is, is Kesef. I paid $100. Before I did Meshicha, the price went up to $200. What's the halacha? $100 is all you paid. You don't have to do any more. Why? Because cash is king. So let me ask you a question. I thought we should... Kesef is kind of by the Beis HaMikdash. Right. So, so I paid already. That's it. It's mine. The price change is irrelevant. Right? So even though you didn't do Mashiach... Yeah, who cares? But here's the thing, though. By a regular person, Mashiach is the Iker. So if I was doing this with a regular person, again, I paid $100. We never treat the Beis HaMikdash worse than we treat a regular person. So by the Beis HaMikdash, it totally makes sense. I paid $100. I already was kind of it. The fact that there was a fluctuation of price doesn't matter. The fact that I didn't do Mashiach doesn't matter. But what about a regular person? I paid $100 for an item, and then it went up to $200. I didn't do Mashiach yet. L'chorah, by a regular person, I'd have to pay $200, because Mashiach is Kona. So if I would have to pay $200 by a regular person, I should have to pay $200 based on Middash, because we don't want to rip the base and make the show off. So the Gemara says, no. The reason why it's different over here, The answer is, this is a concept that we've talked about in the past, and that is, there's a concept called Mishapara, which is that um, it's, it's that we, we, you don't want to act dishonest. Meaning, it's the concept of by Sadaim. People would say by Sadaim, they would make pledges and then just not pay. That's not allowed to be done. So the halacha is that by a regular person as well, if I pay something cash, $100, I pay, let's say, you're selling me a table, I pay $100 for that table. Now, is, ka, is Kesef Kona by a regular person? No. Mashicha is Kona. Can I back out after paying cash? No. Why? Because that's dishonest. So the answer is like this. By the case of the Beis HaMikdash, where I'm buying a guitar for $100, and I give cash, and then the price goes up to 200 we say, no, you don't have to pay 200 Why? By a person, I would be able to back out, and, and if I'd have to pay 200 answers, you wouldn't be able to back out by a person either. Once a person gives kasef, even by a regular person where it's not actually kaina, but it makes it enough that it would be dishonest to pull back. So because it's considered you, you're already you're already in it by a regular person, by the base Hamikdash also we're not gonna we're not gonna I mean the whole Indian of why we would say if by a regular person you go back out the base Hamikdash should also be able to back out the answer is even by a regular person you wouldn't be able to back out. Yes, Kesef is not kinda by a regular person, but it, it makes it called Mishapara, which is that once you give cash, your word you already given your word you can't back out. So that's the point. Okay, this is a new topic. This is like the easier part of Mesechus Kedushin. This is what most yeshivas learn in Mesechus Kedushin. And that is the obligations that people have. This is what they... No, no, what we're about to start. We're about to start for the rest of the day. Misha says like this. All mitzvahs of the obligations, the son on the father. Now what this... I'll tell you what the Gemara thinks it means because it's, it's a very cryptic line. What it thinks it means is kivar Mitzvah saben al ha'av, the mitzvah of the son for the father. The Gemara thinks that it means kibbutz avim, anything the son has to do for the father, which is kibbutz avim. It's it's that's not what it means. Uh, what it actually means is the opposite. Any mitzvah the father has for the son, 
Meaning there are certain obligations that a father has for his son. He has to teach him Torah. He has to give him brismila. He has to do a pidyan aben. He has to give him a job, teach him how to, how to work. That's what it actually means. So it doesn't mean the obligations the son has for the father, but rather the father has for the son. So any obligation that the father has for the son, anashim chayavis v'anashim peturis, the wife is not obligated. Meaning, the mitzvah of teaching your son Torah is not a mitzvah on the mom. It's a mitzvah on the dad. The mitzvah of having a brismila is not a mitzvah on the mom. It's a mitzvah on the dad. Pidin aben So it's a mitzvah on the father, not the mother. Okay. V'chol mitzvah sa'aval aben, but kivar ve'eim, kivar ve'eim, applies to the daughter just as well as the son. A daughter also has to respect her parents. It's not just a mitzvah of the, of the son, it's a mitzvah of the daughter as well. Okay. Any time bound mitzvah, women are exempt from time bound mitzvahs. Uh, we don't really go into reasons, but if there was a reason, it's because women are generally responsible for taking care of the children in the house, and they, they can't necessarily do mitzvahs that are time-bound. They, they don't have the time that men do, and therefore they're exempt. But any mitzvah that's not time-bound, is an obligation both on men and women. Now, this whole concept that time-bound mitzvahs women are exempt is only by positive mitzvahs. They cannot do an avera, even if it's time-bound. All mitzvahs losa say all negative commandments, whether they're time bound or not, is an obligation both on men and women. Women are not allowed to do an avera even if it's time bound. This whole concept that women are exempt is from positive mitzvahs, not from negative commandments. Except there are three averas that women are not are not obligated to keep. They're allowed to do, and that's baltakif, baltashchis, baltatamelamesim, shaving their beard. Shaving the payas, and uh, the daughter of a kayan going to a cemetery. Right, so women are allowed to shave their face. They're allowed to shave off their payas. They're not obligated to keep that. And a kayan is not allowed to go to the cemetery, but the kayhenes, a woman kayan, is allowed to go to a cemetery. Okay, those are the three negative commandments that women are not obligated to be to, to keep. Okay, let's run through the daf. The, we started off by saying that women are that women are exempt from mitzvahs haben al ha'av. So I told you what it actually means is the obligations the father has for the son. But the Gemara at first thinks it means obligations the son has for the father, i.e. kivra ve'im. Now, if that if that's what it means, then what the Mishnah is saying is that kivra ve'im does not apply to women, which is obviously inaccurate. How do you, how does it translate the the havamin or the conclusion? Mitzvahs haben al ha'av. It means obligations. Of the son that the father has. Obligations of the son that is resting on the father. Meaning, your obligation to me is Talmud or whatever. It's my responsibilities that you have for me. It's written a little, you know, funny. So the Gemara says, My Mrs. Aben Alav. What does the Mishnah mean? So, Let's go to the Pashim Shah, which is obligations of the son the son has for the father, meaning Kivar of Aim. The problem is, so what does the Mishnah mean? Nashim Peturis, women are exempt from Kivar Vim. Vatanya, the Brisa says, Ish, Imov Aviv Tiro, right? You have to fear your father. A man has to fear his parents. Ainli Ish, I only know that a man is obligated in Kivar Vim and Yiris Avaim. Ishim and I, and how do I know that women are obligated as well? Keshorma Ish, Imov Aviv Tiro, Hare, meaning the Ish, Ish, Imo, the, the extra, I guess the word, um, yeah, it says, Ish imo ve'aviv tirau tirau means and you shall fear them. Hare kan shnayim. Tirau means that 
both of you should fear them. Meaning not just that you should fear the parents. Tira'u means they should fear them. Who's they? Men and women have to fear their parents. That's the, I guess that's the, that's the way the darshanik. Okay. Okay. Um, fine. Now, so what does the Mishnah mean? So it can't be Kivravayim because Kivravayim applies to men and women. So rather, what it means is any obligation the father has for the son, meaning any obligation, any responsibility of the child that the father has to take care of, as we'll see in a moment, it's Talmud Torah, it's Pidyan Aben, Bris Mila, that only applies to the father and not the mother. There is no mitzvah of the mother to teach her son Torah. There's no mitzvah of the mother to... Uh, circumcise your son. There's no mitzvah. It's a mitzvah on the dead. The Gemara says, The truth is, you have a price that speaks it out. The price says as follows The father is obligated with respect to his son in the following things Lemolo, to do a brismila, Liftoso, to do a aben, Lulamda Torah, to teach him Torah, to marry him off, Lulamda Umnis, and to teach him a job, to teach him, uh, make sure that he has a livelihood. Not, not money, but he's got to teach him a craft. He's got to know what to do. And some say he has to teach him how to swim. Because if you don't know how to swim, you could drown. And it's the father's responsibility to make sure that he's safe. Review the Oymer, review the says, Any father who does not teach his son a job, you're teaching them to be a thief. Because if he doesn't have a craft, what's he going to do? He's going to steal. So if you don't teach your son a job, a craft, he's gonna, you're teaching him to be a thief. So the Gemara says, list this because I don't teach him a job, I'm teaching him to steal. That's a bit of a stretch. Well, I never taught him to steal. The answer is, it's as if you're teaching him to steal. You're right, obviously you could be the most ethical guy in the world. But Bekitzer, if you don't give him a craft, what do you expect him to do? He's going he's gonna to go down into gambling and to other things, and he's eventually going to go into stealing from people. Okay, so now let's go through the sources. That's what we're going to do today. The sources that a that a son has, that a father has to obligate, that a father is obligated, not a mother, which is Brismila, Pinyin Aben, and Torah. Okay, so let's go through which one. Lamolmanan. How do I know that the father is responsible to take care of the Brismila of the son? So the Chesiv, the pasuk says, the Yomal Avram is Yitzchak ben Avram circumcised Yitzchak. There you go. Now, let's say the father refuses. It's eight days old, and the father says, I'm not doing it. So then, the Bezdin has to do it. Meaning, the Bezdin gets involved, and they have to hire the male. The baby needs to be circumcised. If the father's not going to do it, the Bezdin will do it. Circumcise for yourself all the males, meaning, make sure that they get circumcised. Now, let's say the baby is 13, and the father's refused. And the Bezdin also doesn't do it, for whatever reason. Once he reaches 13, he has to do it himself. It's a responsibility on the person himself. So it starts off with the father. If the father doesn't do it, then it goes to the Bezdin. And if the Bezdin doesn't do it, then once he becomes Bar Mitzvah, he has to be Moyal himself. The Pasuk says that if a man does not rip off his own foreskin, then he'll have Karis. Meaning, it's your own responsibility. Once you reach 13, it's your own responsibility. Okay. Now, but the question is, how do I know the mother is not responsible to, to circumcise the son? How do I know that it's not her responsibility? How do I know that a mother is not obligated to, make, to take care of the bris Because the Pasuk says that HaKadosh Baruch who commanded Avram to circumcise Yitzchak, Him and not her. Avram and not Sarah. Okay? Now, 
So the source that a mother does not ob- ob- obligated to circumcise his son is learned to have from Sari Menu. How do I know that that's a rule that could apply to for future generations? Maybe that was a special rule, a special rule for Avram Avinu. What's the source in the Torah that that could be applied forever? Tana de Rav Yishmael, Kol Mokam Shenemar Tzav, the answer is, it says regarding the brismila tzav, tzav, tziva, the word tzav or tziva means a couple things. It means um, do it quickly, do it right now, and do it forever. So because it says the word tziva by Avram, it means the halachas are the same between now and forever. Because the word tziva is there, tziva means miyad uladoros. From now and forever, there's no change. So because it says by Avram Tziva, that means that the laws of the circumcision are the same by Avram as they are for everyone else, and that is Oso Velo Osa, the, ma- the, mother, the father and not the mother. The Gemara says, how do I know the word Tzav or Tziva means Zirus Miyadoladoros? Zirus Tzav, how do I know that means you should do it Mizrizus, very, very, you know, zealously. Vitzavis Yeshua Vichaskeu Bamseyu, it says, command Yeshua to strengthen him and let him do it quickly. And how do I know that it applies now and forever? From the day that Hashem commanded forever. So therefore it says, Siva, by the Brismila, it means the halachas are the same. And if it's by Avram and Atzara, that means that it's the father and not the mother. So that's the source by Brismila. Let's keep going. Pidyan Aben. How do I know that Pidyan Aben does not apply to the mother? How do I know that it applies to the father and not the mother? So, how do I know the father has to do the pity for the son. All of your sons, you have to be poda. Your sons, you have to be poda. Okay. Now, let's say the father refuses to do a pity Then, once the child reaches 13, he has to do his own pity right? There's no excuse. You got it? It's an obligation on you. You shall surely redeem. Meaning, if your father does it good, if not, tifta, do it yourself. Now, so that's a source that it's the father. How do I know the mother is not obligated in Pidyan Aben? How do I know that a mother is not responsible to do Pidyan Aben? Because it says like this. The word is written Tifte, but in the Torah it doesn't have Nekudos. So it's written in a way that it could be read two ways. It could be read as Tifte or Tipode, because there's no Nekudos. So it says Tifte. But it could also be read as tipodeh. Now, tifta means you shall redeem. Tipodeh means it shall become redeemed. What does it mean? Kol shemitzuva liftoi says atzmoi, mitzuva liftoi says acherim. Tipodeh implies redeeming others. Tifta implies redeeming yourself. Because it could be read both ways, this is the rule. Kol shemitzuva liftoi says atzmoi. Anytime you have to have a pidin aben, mitzuva liftoi says acherim. You have to do a pidin aben for others. But women who are not obligated to have their own pidyan aben are not obligated to do all this. The question is, how do I know a woman does not have to do a pidyan aben? The answer is very simple. If you have your own pidyan aben, you have to do pidyan aben for others. No pidyan aben for you, no obligation for others. Women are not obligated to have a pidyan aben, so they don't have to do it for others. Well, how do I know that women don't have to have their own pidyan aben? So Gemara says, So the source that women don't do a pidyan aben on others is because they don't have their own. So how do I know they don't have their own pidyan aben? Maybe it should be a pidyan habas. The answer is dechsiv tif the Same thing. Kol, but now reverse it. Kol shacher mitzvah liftosa mitzvah liftosa satzma v'chash ein achor mitzvah liftosa ein mitzvah liftosa achir. 
you only have to have your own Pidyan Aben if others have to do a Pidyan Aben for you. So because women, no one has to do a Pidyan Aben for them, they don't have to have their own Pidyan Aben. So this is the sort of the evolution. It's like a circular thing. Women don't have to do Pidyan Aben on others because they don't have to have their own Pidyan Aben. How do I know they don't have to have their own Pidyan Aben? Because you only have to have your own Pidyan Aben if other people do a Pidyan Aben for you. And because you don't have to do a Pidyan Aben for women, they don't have their own. Since they don't have their own, they don't have to do for others. Now how do I know that... So. Yes. So how do I know that? So basically, the, the whole key of this: how do we know? How do we know that people don't have to do a pidyon aben for women? Because that's the key. Women don't have to do a pidyon aben for their son because they don't have their own. They don't have their own because others don't do it for them. How do I know the others don't have to do it for them? So the Gemara says, "Bachar is a boy." Your sons, not your daughters. So that's the source that others don't have to do it for them. Once others don't have to do it for them, they don't have to do it themselves. Once they don't have to do it themselves, they don't have to do it for others. Okay? That is the rule for Pidyan Aben. Tanra who liftos, ubno liftos. Let's say the father is a Valchuva. Yeah? He has not done a Pidyan Aben yet. And he has his own and he has his son. Who goes first? Right? He has his own Pidyan Aben, and he has his son's Pidyan Aben. So who goes first? So, who called him Livno? The Tanakama says, you do it yourself. You have an obligation of your... Your obligation supersedes your obligation to be Mechanech, your son. So you got to do it yourself. Rav Yudah says, no, but no called him. Rav Yudah says, no, you got to do your son first. He says, because I'll tell you what, you have an obligation to make sure your son has a Pidyan Aben. Okay. Now... Here's the deal. The Gemara says like this. I'm Rav Yirmiya. Rav Yirmiya says, no, no, you, you misunderstand this. Go to the next page. Let's say, how much is to do a Pidyan Aben? It's five slime, five silver coins. Let's say all you have in your whole life is five silver coins. Well, I mean, all you have to spend is five silver coins. Then, so you, you only have a choice. You or your son. Not precedence. Just one or the other. Everyone agrees. Who called Mono? Take care of yourself and not your son. Why? My taima, mitzvah de gufa diva, because it's a mitzvah on yourself. Meaning the father has two obligations. He has a mitzvah to be mechanech his son, and he has a mitzvah to make sure that he has his own pidyon aben. The answer is, you have to mitzvah de gufo. You have a mitzvah to take care of your own body before you have a mitzvah. It's like put the, put the, in the plate. Right? You put the, the mouth thing on yourself before your children. Right? You, you do have a mitzvah de guf before a mitzvah of acherim. Everyone agrees if all you have are five coins, Take care of yourself. What's the machlaikas? The machlaikas is kipligi hechadika chamesh mishubadim vechamesh b'nei Ah, cases like this. I have five silver coins, and I have land worth five silver coins that I had sold. The question is like this: Can I? You know, when you sell land, it's like in, there's a lien on the property. So if let's say. I'm, I owe someone money, they can go and undo the sale. The question is, can we undo the sale for the Pidyan Aben? If I can undo the sale for the Pidyan Aben, very simple. I undo the sale to get my Pidyan Aben, and the five coins I use on my son. If I can't undo the sale, then I just have five coins, I do it myself. Everyone agrees if there's just five coins, everyone agrees if there's just five coins available, take care of yourself. What's the machlogus of whether you take care of the son or yourself? Is where you have five coins, and you have a land that you sold worth five coins. Am I able to undo the sale in order to take care of this obligation? 
Why should or should not? Why can I? Why should I be able to do the sale? Because I have a missile. Why should I do the sale? I'll tell you what the shayla is based on. He bought the lands from me two two months ago. If there was a document that said that I owed Gavin money, no, then then we could undo the sale. If I owed Gavin money without a document, I can't undo the sale. The question is: Is the obligation the Torah gives me to have a pidyon ben like a document saying I owe money? That's the question. It's I can't undo the sale for my son because the case is that they bought the land before my son was born. So they definitely preceded my son. The question is, they didn't precede, they didn't supersede me. The question is, can I undo a sale to take care of the mitzvah of Pidyan Aben? So you say, well, well, okay, so the, the, the Pidyan Aben is an obligation that you have, a financial obligation, same way a financial obligation if I owe someone money. But is it a documented financial obligation? Well, I don't have a document that says I owe Pidyan Aben, but the Torah says so. The question is, is the fact that the Torah obligates me to do a Pidyan Aben, is that enough of an obligation as if it's a shtar that I could undo a sale to get the coins? If I could undo the sale to get the coins, I'm very simple. I undo the sale, get the five coins, use it for myself. Take the five extra coins, use it on my son. If I can't undo the sale, I just have five coins. Do it on myself, not the son. The obligation on yourself is from the Jewish from Tifteh. Well, no, but... That's the the Makar is a Jewish from the Pasuk. Well, kolpetem, rechem li. I'm saying like kolpetem uh, rechem. It's, it's, it's an obligation. Well, that's for the son. No, that's for the son. But obligation for yourself is kolpetem rechem li. I mean, the pasuk says, yeah, every person, every firstborn is obligated to be redeemed. The, the Gemara said like this. Well, let's see it inside. Kipligi hamisha mishubadin. The five coins worth of land that was sold. The Chamesh Bnei Chorin, and there's five coins that are available. Rav Yudasav, Rav Yudasav says like this, Milsa Dixiva B'Torah, Kiksu B'Shtar Dami. Any obligation in the Torah is if it's written in a document, meaning my obligation to do my own Pidyan Aben superseded the sale, and it's as if there's a lien on the property, I could undo the sale to get the money, money to, pay, to do a Pidyan Aben. Therefore, Hani Chamesh Park Levre, so the five that are available use for your son, and let the Kayin go and undo the sale to get the five coins for you. A debt that's written in the Torah is not like a documented debt. You cannot undo a sale to get the money back. So that land is gone. All you have are the five coins available in your pocket and that you do on yourself. That's that's the halacha. So you, your son will not be uh, nifta. Hilkach mitzaduk So according to so according to Yehuda, if a person had miser money, not not present day miser money, he had he had miser during the time of the Beis right? And he sells it. He he sells it. That that sale can be undone. Miser. What do you mean miser? What do you mean miser? The rice obligation. Yeah, it's interesting. I, 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 you could undo a lot of stuff, yeah, for to pay off. It, 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 it seems pretty chaotic, but yeah, it, I don't know if it's specifically nicer, but conceptually, yeah, 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 I understand. Yes, but the obligations that in the Torah is as if it's a written in the document, and you could. So, meiser, I don't think would be a good one. Truma, but the problem is also if you sell it without separating trumas and meisers, then it's considered tevel, so the sale may not be valid anyway. I don't know the exact case, but but yes, conceptually. 
Yeah, but I, I, a lot of cases I don't think it applies because a lot of times when something needs to be separated according to the Torah before it's separated, it's usher. So you can't sell it anyway. Right? If I sell you fruit and you find out it's tevel, it's a mekach toy. So it's, it's, it, a lot of times it's not going to... It's not going to be practically a good solution, but yeah, conceptually. So the Gemara says, like, lift us as beno. Let's say you have to do a pidyon ben lalas the regel, but you also have to be ola regel for yomtiv. So which one do you do? Podes beno v'achak ola regel. You do pidyon ben first. Rav Yudah Omer, ola regel v'achak podes beno. Rav says, no, do ola regel. Why? Shezem mitzvah iveres v'zeinaveres. Ola regel, you only have yomtiv. That's it. After yomtiv, you can't do it anymore. Pidyon ben, you could technically do in a month. So take care of ola regel first. Why does the Tanakhama say Pidina Ben first? The Gemara says, Bishlam, Rabbi Yehuda, the Gemara Taimil, Rabbanu Mai Tamayu. I understand Rabbi Yehuda. He's saying, listen, do Oil Regal first because that is a time you're, you got, you can't do Oil Regal, uh, you know, after Sukkot. That's it. You lose it out. So go right away. Why does the Rabbanon, why, why does the Rabbanon say you do Pidina Ben first? Amar Kra, the Pasuk says, Kol Bachar Benecha Tifta. It's the order of the Torah. It says, do a Pidyan Aben, and then it says, be Ola Regal. The implication is, Pidyan Aben, then Ola Regal. Okay. Tanar Abonan. Minayin Shem, Hayulei Chamish Abonim, Mechamesh Nashim, Shechayv Liftos Kulon, Tamalayim, or Kol Bechar Benechatifta. It's interesting. Pidyan Aben is not like inheritance. Inheritance, it's the first of the of the man. It all matters to the man. Meaning, let's say the man has five sons from five different women. Who is the Bechar? His first. Even though they're all the Bukhar from different women, it's his first. It's all now when it comes to Pidin Aben, Pidin Aben is all about the mom. If a man has a, a child from a woman, and then a child from another woman, a child from another woman, and then the firstborns of each woman, even though it's not his firstborn, he has three sons, they will all require a Pidin Aben because they're the first of the womb. Called Peterechem, it's all the first of the womb. As long as they're the first of that woman's womb, then it's the Pidyan Aben. You could have 20 Pidyan Abens. A man could have 20 Pidyan Abens conceptually if he has children from 20 different women and each one is the Bechar, Bechar of that woman would require a Pidyan Aben. Okay. So Gemara says, Pshita, yes, Pasha, Peterechem, the Pasha says, the first of the womb. I, you know, obviously it doesn't matter about the man. So the Gemara says like this: Mau the same nail bechar bechar ben Achala malaron reishes onof can reishes onof kamash malon. You might think that we should learn it out from Nachala from inheritance. You might think that we should learn out from inheritance, and by inheritance it says bechar over here. By pidin aben it says bechar by Nachala. By inheritance, all that matters is the father, not the mother. So you might think that it's by pidin aben as well. Kamash malon, no. The, the mother's body is that matters, not the father's. Okay. Now, the Gemara says like this. Now let's talk about limit Torah. Let's talk about learning Torah. How do I know that the son is obligated, the father is obligated to teach his son Torah? How do I know You'll teach your son's Torah. And let's say the father refuses to teach his son Torah. You have to teach yourself when you reach Bar Mitzvah. You'll study Torah. Now, how do we know, how do I know that a mother is not obligated to teach her son Torah? Again, same thing. It's written where it could be read two ways. It's written as, it could be read as, it could be read that you shall teach or you shall learn, teach and learn. Meaning, anyone who is obligated to learn Torah is obligated to teach Torah. But women who are not obligated to learn Torah in Mitzvah Lamed are not obligated to teach. 
So how do I know that women don't have to teach their sons Torah? Because you only have to teach Torah if you have to learn Torah. Women don't have to learn, therefore they don't have to teach. Now, by the way, they don't have to learn Torah. I, what about, uh, you know, they have to learn the halachas of what they, So the famous Beis HaLevi says, the limit of Torah that they do for their own halachas is not limit of Torah. It's a heksha mitzvah. Right. Meaning we're obligated to learn Torah even if there's zero practical applications. Women's obligation to learn Torah is purely to know what to do. Therefore, it's not considered limerat Torah, it's considered a hachana for limerat Torah. It's not considered a hachana for a mitzvah. Hachana for the mitzvah, correct. I'd say there's a shayla of whether they're allowed to say Torah and how do they say Berchus but it's, it's, it has to do with that. So the Gemara says, so because women don't have to learn Torah, they're not obligated to teach Torah. So how do I know women don't have to learn Torah? Same thing. You only have to learn Torah if others have to teach you. So women don't have to teach because they don't have to learn. They don't have to learn because others don't have to teach them. How do I know that others don't have to teach them? So they don't have to teach because they don't have to learn. They don't have to learn because others don't have to teach them. And others don't have to teach them because it says, Okay. Go a little bit later. We've done in five minutes. Uh, by the way, the, the, the Benish Chai, this like Api Kabbalah, this next Gemara is like an out there. There's a lot of like Hezbeirim to understand this next Gemara. We're just going to do it very quickly. Tan Rabban, who Lilmaid? Let's say a man only has funds to for him to learn, Uvnai Lilmaid, or his son to learn Torah. Or the you or your son. So, who Kaizim Lilmaid? You have to take care of yourself. Ravida says, no, Ravida says like this, if your son is diligent and he's bright and you could tell that he's going to be matzliach, then your son takes precedence. So normally it's him, unless your son is a real, real stellar guy, then, then, the Gemara says the following story. Rav Yaakov, the son of Racha Bar Yaakov, so Rav Acha Bar Yaakov sent his son Rav Yaakov to learn by Abaya. So Rav Achabar Yaakov sent his son Rav Yaakov to learn. He also, when Rav Achabar Yaakov visited his son in Beis Medrash, he saw that he wasn't learning. He wasn't, he wasn't taking it seriously. He was taking coffee breaks and he wasn't really learning. So Amar Lehi, I know a different enough. He says, I'll learn better than you. You go, I'm staying. So he replaced his son in the Beis Medrash. He said, you're not learning well. You go work, I'm learning. So Rav Achabar Yaakov replaced his son. Now, it's interesting. Rav Yaakov seems to have been a world-renowned Tamachacham at the time. So Abaya now finds out that instead of Rav Yaakov learning by him, his dad, Rav Achabar Yaakov, is learning by him. So apparently Abaya had a problem. It's like a shtickle, like it's like a Harry Potter problem. The problem was that they had, in the middle of the night, walking through the holes of this yeshiva, they had demons that were attacking people. So he now finds out that he has Rav Achabar Yaakov learning by him. So he says like this, Shama Abaya Dabakasi. Abaya hears that Rachab Yaakov is coming to learn by him. Now there was a certain demon that was attacking the Bachram at night in the Yeshiva, as you do. And even when two people were walking together, I feel even during the daytime, this demon was attacking people, like brazenly attacking people. So Abaya wanted to fix the problem. So he said like this: this is Abaya's plan. His plan was. He says to everyone, He says basically like this, We need Rav Achavar Yaakov to sleep in the base Medrash so that the demon will attack him and he'll probably be okay. Efshir, by the way. Efshir, he'll be okay. So he basically says to everyone, Do not offer him a place to stay. 
make sure that he has no place to stay, so therefore he'll have to be forced to sleep in the base medrash. When he's sleeping in the base medrash, the demon will attack him, and I'm sure he'll maybe be okay. So the Gemara says, that's what happened. So the Gemara says, So he had no place to stay that night, the first night of the base medrash, so he slept in the base medrash, alone. The demon appeared, and it looked like a seven-headed snake. A seven-headed serpent. So Ravach didn't want to get killed, so he started davening and he bowed down. Davening in Shemana he bowed down. Every single time he bowed, the head, uh, the head, uh, the head, uh, the head split. Every time he bowed, the head split off. Now, the next day Ravach said to Abaya, you put my, put my life in danger. What are, you, what are you doing to me? Meaning, yeah, I, I didn't sign up to be attacked by a demon. Like, uh, what are we doing here? Okay, end of that story. Let's go a little bit weiter. I don't know. It's, oh, it's, it's, it's a whole thing. The Gemara says like this. It's like a full, like, full shear in and of itself. Let's say you have a choice to learn Torah or to get married. Again, back then, marriage was arranged, so they could just choose when to do it. So, learn Torah or get married. So, learn Torah and then get married. But if you find that your mind can't focus without because of Hirhurim Ra'im, because of thinking inappropriately, get married first. So, you could learn Torah first, but if you have to clear your mind, get married first. So the Gemara says, Amr of Yudam what's the halacha? No, get married first, then learn. So the Gemara says, Yechon Amr of Yechon says, You got a ball and chain around your neck and you're going to learn Torah. Meaning, you're telling a guy you want him to learn Torah to get married first, and now he has the financial responsibility, he's got a whole house to take care of. How's he going to learn? So he has a, a, a yoke on his neck and he's going to learn Torah. So rather, so, so Rav Shmuel, sa- Shmuel says, get married, then learn. Rav Yechon says, no, learn, then get married. So what's the answer? The answer is it depends on where you lived. In Bavel, they would get married, and then during Shana Rishana, they would go to Eretz Yisrael alone. They would leave their wives for a year. Which, by the way, Taisus already asked Akasha, how are you allowed to do that? But okay, fine. But that, that's what they did. So therefore, said so like this, Shmuel was talking about Bavel. In Bavel, you'd get married, live with your wife, take care of the taivas. Then you would just go to Yisrael for like two years to learn. So you could learn because you had no responsibilities. But you were like learning as a kail guy, but like as a yeshiva bacher. That, that was fine. Rav Yoichanu was talking about the people in Yisrael. They weren't going away. They were home. So he said, don't get married and then learn. Because if you get married, you'll be dealing with your wife and dealing with the kids and dealing with the house. Shmuel was davka talking about Bavel because they would get married, live with their wives for like sheva brachas, and then go to Yisrael for a year or two. Alone, so you say, yeah, that's fine. So that, that's, uh, it depends on what location they were at. Okay, let's just finish up. Ravchizda praised Rav Hamnuna to Rav Huna. Rav Chizda would tell Rav Huna, you know, Rav Hamnuna is a chash of Yid. So Amr Leis, Rav Huna said to Rav Chizda, I'd like to meet him. Kiyasa, so Rav Huna came. Again, this is back then when there was arranged marriages, they could choose when to get married. So you notice that Rav, Huna, Rav Hamnuna was not wearing, they, they had a certain hat that people would wear when they were married. He noticed that he wasn't wearing this type of turban, this type of, you know, uh, Joma type thing, but that's for coats. But they had their own type of, you know, hat, a special hat that they would have when they were married. So he says to him, so he knows, by the way, there's a shrimel. You don't wear shrimel before you're married. Maybe the maybe the mishpach of the rebbe the chassim don't wear a shtrimel till the marriage. So he saw that he wasn't wearing a shtrimel. So he says, "Amrle, my time of the parsha. Where's the shtrimel? Amrle, l'inasiva. He said, I ain't get married yet. And again, back then this was not like you know he he's been dating. It's like he said, I chose not to get married. So 
turns his face away. I'm like, He says, I'm not going to you till you get married. Meaning he felt that you should get married at the age, is the age you should get married. He said, I'm not talking to you till you get married. The Gemara says, Rafuno this Rafuno Lushitasa, Dama Ben Esim Shanavoinasa, Kalyam Baveri. He says, Once you reach the age of 20, you don't get married yet, then you're going to have Averis because of Tivus. Baveris, look at that. Every day is Aver, that's a bit uh, that's a bit much. Every single day. Elema Kalyam Vehir Aver. Avera means that you're living with women. Well, what Avera is he doing? The answer is Herhurim. He's going to be over Herhurim. Amir Avach, he intended Rabbi Shmuel. And this, Archav Shani Yoshev, Kadesh Baruch, Mitzapel Adam, until the age of 20, the Hashem is waiting, saying, Masa Yisa Yisha, when is he going to get married? Kivan Shiki Yachav, Aleishana, Aleinasa, once he gets 20, he does get married. Amir Tivach, Hatzmaisa, let his bones swell and bones drop. This is the, the Makar that that Chsidim, uh, when they arrange marriages, they usually do it around 18, uh, just to avoid this uh, this this Gemar. All right, we'll stop here. One second.